when a new owner moves in, change begins to happen. And um, there's a house on the way, my way to work that has just recently sold. And I've been able to watch the transformation that go, is going on right now. It's uh, always an amazing thing. I feel like I'm invested in this house as I drive by for a few seconds each day. Um, and so, you know, the changes have been subtle to start. It's, uh, you know, the, the grass got reacquainted with the lawnmower, and that, that definitely helped. Uh, the, but the shrubs that were on the front of this house were massive. They, uh, they were taller than the roof line, and they basically covered the entire front of the house. And just last week, the owner has cut those out completely, and now you can actually see the house. It's a pretty amazing thing what happens when a new owner takes up residence in there. And um, you, you basically see that it's changing from the inside out. And the, the same is true for us. It, it, our story is not so different in that um, when it comes to a Christian and Jesus coming into our lives, it, it, it's just like that. It's a, it's, a, it's a new owner. All of a sudden, we're headed in one certain direction. Jesus comes and intersects our life, and we take a 180, and we see that as Jesus moves in, and he's the new owner of our life, things begin to change. Now, he, all of his change is done in the nature of relationship. He does it in the context of relationship. And so he's continuing to, to, to do those things and to refine our character. It's not an overnight process. It doesn't just happen like that. Uh, you could say Jesus is more of a, a crock pot than a microwave in a lot of ways because he's working with us, right? Um, and, and, but the, the truth is people are going to notice. Just like when I drive by, anybody drives by this house, they're seeing something is going on here. When it comes to Jesus in our lives, people will take notice. They're going to see the change that's happening. But what happens when you're not seeing the change like you used to? What happens when you hit a dry spell and things just aren't going the way that you expected? What happens when things just seem kind of off? And so my goal this morning is, is not to make you feel guilty. Uh, I'm not going to give you three easy steps for radical change. No, that, that's not, that's not my, my motivation here at all. Because see, as Jesus has been speaking to me, I, I, I feel like he often, almost never speaks in flashing lights. And uh, no matter how often I pray to him that he be obvious with me, because I'm kind of thick sometimes, that I, I, I still feel that often he's very subtle. Often he speaks to me in themes. Often he starts to speak to me in a variety of different ways in different contexts. And so um, I'm at a point, though, where I'm not seeing the change like I used to. I, I feel like something's just kind of off. And um, what it kind of feels like, it feels like I've invited Jesus in, and I've kind of put him in a small bedroom in the back of the house and said, okay, Jesus, you can change everything you want to in there, but you really can't touch the rest of the house, Okay. Um, and, and, you know, Jesus comes in and he's ready for demolition. He's ready for rebuild. He's ready for at least a remodel of some sort. Right. And um, I my 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 feeling is so often it's um, Jesus, you could have my Sundays, but I, I don't really want you to mess with the rest of the week. Right. Um, maybe it's a it's a bargaining with, with him and saying, OK, Jesus, I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm, I may uh, cuss a little less or I may, you know, stop drinking so much or whatever it might be. And uh, if you could just bless my life, that would be great. Uh, and, and we kind of just miss this whole idea that it's more than that. Um, Philippians 1 brings a question to my mind, and I, we're going to just pause it just for, for a second. Philippians 1, verse 6. And I want you to see this. It says, And I am sure of this, that, we, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And 
um, we see in this verse, you could almost read it and say, okay, well, does this mean that the Christian life is a passive experience? It's something that you just kind of sit back and just God's going to do it for me. And that's, that's not the case at all. It's not what Paul meant in this letter to the Philippians. Um, but sometimes, guys, I'll just admit that, that my life, my Christian life, looks like that's what I believe. I, I'm kind of one of those, I'm just going to sit back and, okay, God, I'm just going to keep living my life. If you want to come and, inter- come and do something, uh, come and do it. But and that, and that, all the truth of that, I'm, I'm opposing or I'm, I'm working against them in some ways or whatever it might be. And as you look at that verse, it says, he who began a good work, he being Jesus. So as Jesus began a good work in us, uh, that good work right there is salvation. Okay, so the, the salvation that he's done all the work and uh, it's been because of him. He comes into our life while we're still sinners. Christ died for us. And so um, he's done the work that we could never do, as we're about to see in a second. And uh, we're seeing that this idea of salvation is by Jesus. It's for Jesus, and it's because of Jesus, okay? It, it's all about him. Uh, if, we, if we read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And as you see this, obviously it stands out. This is by Jesus, for Jesus, because of Jesus. We see, obviously, that it's not our own doing, okay? It's not, nothing that we did that made salvation possible, that we are saved by grace through faith. And that's how it's done. There's a, there's a fancy word when it comes to salvation, as they kind of break up and try to define just the process of that, um, that we're made right with Jesus. That, that word's called justification. Okay, So if you're playing any Bible Jeopardy later, you've got a good answer. Okay, um, But this word called justification, we're made right through Jesus. That um, the sin that used to separate us is now covered by the blood of Jesus. And now we're adopted as sons and daughters of the king. All right. And so this is this is obviously great news. And then we're also looking forward to the day that Jesus is going to make all things right. That the, the day that uh, when he comes back and takes his people with him to be with him forever, that whole process there is called glorification. That at, at some point when he comes back, he's going to make all things right. Um, and we're going to see that like never before, uh, it, it's all about Jesus. And um, the, this period, though, in the middle is the part that I want to talk a little bit about today. And this period in the middle uh, is, is often referred to as sanctification, okay? And so sanctification basically means us being made more and more like Jesus, okay? And this is the transformation that we're talking about. This is the new owner coming into the house. All of a sudden, we see the change. This is the same thing when, when Jesus comes into our life. He's going to make us more and more like Jesus, and make us more and more like him. He does that by his spirit. And he continues to work in our life. To refine our character. To take things out. To put things in. Uh, be it the fruits of the spirit or, or what, what will. And um, while my overall desire may be to please God. Sometimes it just doesn't really translate to my everyday. And maybe, maybe you're there with me. Um, because in this process of sanctification. Is where oftentimes I oppose him. Or I start dragging my feet or I, I just start not taking those opportunities or taking that refining and taking it into heart. And I start seeing that, man, um, there is a, a, a role that I play in, in, this, in this process of sanctification. It's, it's almost like um, my mom tells me often uh, as uh, she was teaching me Spanish. 
uh, or, or when I was young, I, I, didn't, I, w- I didn't learn Spanish. And so uh, she would try to teach me and tell me certain words. And uh, there was some serious opposition that went on during this, this time to a point that I would tell her to stop talking like that. And uh, she and my, my dad would often talk about us um, behind our backs in Spanish. So I grew to despise the language. It thinks people were talking about me if I heard Spanish around. Uh, but this whole idea that no matter how much I might have wanted to learn Spanish... Um, I, there was an opposition to me. It, it, didn't, it didn't really matter. Or, or I, I'd love to be able to play the guitar like, like Eric. Uh, Eric Clapton, that is. But, uh, but yeah, um, but be, be, <laughs> be able to play like Eric. Um, it, it would just be great. But, I, but do I want to put forth the work and the, the preparation and the time and the calluses to be able to actually learn that? Well, my actions would say, no, I don't. I just wish I knew how or whatever, however magically that might happen. Um, it would be something if upon salvation, God just made us do all the things we're supposed to do. But man, with no will, with no choice, if we were, if we were just made to do the things that God told us to do, that, that's, that's not love. That's, that's, not, that's not what he'd have. It's not a, love is not a forced thing. It's not a coercive thing. But there is a real and true element of sanctification that you've got to see, that I've got to see, and God's continue to show me, and it's this idea of perseverance, this idea that as we're trying to uh, become more and more like Jesus, there's a, there's a work involved in that. There's a refining. There's a, it's rejecting an old way of life. It's, a, it's, it's seeing those habits in our life that are so hard to break and saying, man, I've got to break these. I've got to take these out because they're not pleasing to God. But so often, while we've been set free, we're still living as, as slaves to sin. And, and that breaks my heart in my own life. He's enabling us to live as a new creation, like it talks about in Galatians 2. But so often I, I, I settle for this old way of life. And I, I think that's what it means if you read in Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about working out our salvation with fear and trembling. I think it's talking that way. It's not, not working to keep it or something like keeping your salvation or something like that, but just knowing that there's a perseverance, there's a work involved, there's, it, it, there's trial and tribulation, there's, there's, there's time. And as I bring this to God, as I, I tell him all the things that are going on in my life that I'm just like, oh, I, 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 I'm tired of it. I, I'm tired of being consumed by the grind of day to, the day to day. And then I look back and I, I realize that I miss Jesus in an entire day. Or I'm, I'm tired of looking back at my, my, how much I prayed in a day and saying, okay, well, maybe I prayed before a meal, but that was pretty much all I did, right? And I, I'm, I'm missing this, this communing with the, the Almighty, right? I'm tired of, of thinking through and saying, okay, the sweetest times I had with Jesus were far too long ago, and I want them now. I, if you think back and you, the best times you've ever had with Jesus were youth camp when you were a kid, Man, we, 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 need them, we need them more recent than that. We need them day to day, month to month, week to week. I, I want that for me. I, I, I'm tired of just that invitation to just check out when it comes to being the, the type of husband I'm called to be, the type of father that I'm called to be. And, and I, I want more than that. I, I don't, I don't want to check out and retreat into work or you know, fall into my cell phone or whatever that is. I, I want to be what he's called me to be. And then... <laughs> As if all of that wasn't enough, as I bring this to him, just all the craziness that is going on right now with, uh, I mean, a global pandemic, with murder hornets, with uh, natural disasters from fires to hurricanes to whatever, to a very contentious election. I mean, we've got all kinds of things going on, 
and it's, it's happening all around us. But as I bring this to Jesus, he, he doesn't give me some kind of explanation. He doesn't like take his cards and show me, and say, okay, this is where they are. This is where we're headed. This is what we're going through. No, uh, oftentimes, like, he, he speaks to me through verses like in Titus chapter 2. And so in Titus chapter 2 is where we're going to be today and talking through some of that. And if you've ever read the book of Titus, it's a, it's a short book, but it's a letter from Paul to Titus, basically telling Titus how to set the church up. He's kind of giving Titus the play-by-play, saying, okay, um, th- this is how you appoint leadership. This is how you choose elders. This is what you do. And then he starts talking to different groups of Christians different groups of people, and saying, hey, this is the type of qualities that you need in your life. This is how you should act. These are the, the type of characteristics that should, uh, should be for a person like you. And then the part that we're jumping in today is going to be basically as he's summing up that instruction, as he's, as he's bringing this to kind of to a head, we're, we're seeing that um, we're jumping in right there as he's summing all of that up. And so if you look with me at Titus chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 11. Now, I should have those on the screen too. Um, And it says this in verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Man, some good news, right? That Jesus's heart, you catch that there, is he's bringing salvation for all people. And now the God of the universe is putting on flesh and coming to earth as a baby to, to save humanity from their sin. Now, that's easy to kind of rattle off maybe, but man, I I don't want to miss the gravity of that statement, Right? This is huge. This is, this, is, this is so big. And it's only by his grace that we're saved. For it's by the grace of God that he's appeared. And he's, he's come to bring salvation. Uh, justification, like I talked, I talked earlier, being made right with Jesus. It's kind of like a pronouncement. Okay, It's the, the blood of Jesus covering us. We're, we're now, um, if we we've have faith in Jesus and we've, we've, he's our, our Lord and Savior, it's now that we're basically pronounced a Christian. It's almost like a wedding that I, I've done recently. I was officiating a wedding a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I pronounced them husband and wife, right? And as I did that, their identity from that point forward was a married couple, okay? If they leave that place and start living like they're single again, there's going to be a problem, right? That, that, I think either the husband or the wife is going to have an issue if the other just started doing that, right? And it's the same kind of thing. We're pronounced, okay, you are saved by the, by the blood of Jesus. You're, you're saved by grace. And so often I, I start living like... I, I was before, and I, I'm missing out on this new identity, this new thing that Jesus has for me, this new way of living that he wants for my life. And so, um, man, I want more, I, and I hope you do too. Let's look at verse 13. I'm, I'm jumping past verse 12, so go to verse 13. And it says, uh, we're waiting for our blessed hope, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so this is that whole idea of looking forward to glorification, looking forward to Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to right every wrong, every knee will bow, every tongue confess. And that's the day that we look forward to as as Christians. We're looking forward to that day when he makes it all right. When you see there's not justice in the world or whatever that is, that's what he's bringing when he's making all things right. He's going to restore everything to himself. And we're going to get to do that in in glorified bodies. We're going to enjoy the new heaven and new earth with God forever. Um, but that's our hope. That's, uh, I hope that's your hope also. Uh, verse 14 says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. And so I, first off, I just want you to see that little phrase, that uh, to redeem us. Basically what that means is he's buying our freedom. 
Okay, so this is Jesus with his sacrifice buying our freedom. And then how did he do that? If you, if you see, as, as the start of verse 14 says, he gave himself for us to redeem us. That word gave gives me the idea of that, that Jesus' sacrifice was given willingly. He was given willingly for you and for me. Nobody took his life from him. He gave it for you and for me. And uh, he did that out of, his, out of sheer love uh, for us. That's, that's it's an amazing thing. So as we're looking at verses 11 and 14, we kind of see this idea of, of why he came. He came to bring salvation for all people. He came to redeem us, to purify us. And then we also see in verse 13 that he's coming back. All right, he's coming back. That, that idea of coming back is like, man, if, if you knew that royalty was going to be visiting your house, or you knew somebody dignified, a, a, somebody, a, a, a great person is going to be visiting your house, just the ways that you would prepare for that moment are going to be different. Right? You're going to be preparing for that in ways. And so as we look back to, as we look forward to the coming king, what kind of preparation does that entail what kind of, for, for us, for our lives, for who we are? And that's, that's the part that challenges me. Uh, but verse 12 is kind of talking that in-between time. What does that look like? So what does it look like between, uh, he says, why he came, he says he's coming back. Um, but what are some of the qualities that, that Jesus would encourage in us in, in this day and age, in this period of sanctification? And it's verse 12. It says, train us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That idea of renounce is, like, is, is basically it means abandonment, an abandoning of an old life, abandoning of the ungodliness and the worldly passions that so often we would chase. If you, if you look to your cues from the world and what, what you should be after, you're going to see things that are very contrary to the word of God, things that, uh, that he would tell you to chase after. And so he's, he's going to encourage you instead to, to live a self-controlled life, to live an upright life, a godly life. It reminds me of uh, St. Augustine. Augustine was a, was a great saint of God, and he, and he lived with a prostitute before his conversion. And they tell a story about him that after he was saved, he was walking down the street, and this prostitute saw him. And uh, she shouted his name, and he kept on walking, Augustine, Augustine. And, and while he saw her, he kept his eyes straight forward, and he continued to walk. But now she continued to cry after him, and, uh, and even ran after him. And finally she says, Augustine, it is I. To which he replied, I know, but it is no longer I. That whole idea of renouncing this old way of life, this whole idea of walking in this new, the newness of life that Jesus would have for us, and the last part of verse 14, I skipped. I don't know if you noticed that. And that's the part that's been kind of just rolling around in my mind. So I, I, want, you to, I want to kind of focus on that. And um, uh, verse 14 says, Who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. And this is that part, who are zealous for good works. Paul is saying that Jesus' desire for our identity is that we would be zealous for good works. And now, this idea is the thing that I keep coming back to. I, I've, uh, I've been asking these questions of the Lord, just saying, okay, God, why does my life not look like it's supposed to? What, is it, what, what, what do you want from me? And this idea of pursuing the good, pursuing the good works, pursuing these, these things that, that he'd have for me, the, the good things, the good that is him. And, and so first I want you to, I want to define what zealous means. If you, we, maybe you don't use that word super often. But the idea of being zealous is, to, is having great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. 
And so what does it look like to have great zeal, to be zealous after good works? And I, I think that's, um, for me, it's like with everything I have, pursuing the good, pursuing what, what he'd have for me, the opportunities that he gives me, those opportunities, um, not, not for a sake of busyness, but for a sake of, man, he's given me those opportunities to serve. He's given me those opportunities to step in, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And so that's, that's the things that I'm wanting to look for. That's the things he's reminding me of. And I, I think it's, it's good to just to, to pause and say, okay, but what does he mean by good? What is, what is good if, if Jesus were to define it, how would he define it? And as you read the New Testament, you're going to see a lot of different ways that he defines it. But I think it's going to be around a couple of different concepts. And I think those, those ideas, the things that are important to Jesus, what he was about, it makes sense that those are the things that we should be about also, doesn't it? And uh, I think it's obvious that Jesus was about people and he was about relationships. And so those things and, and being about those things was so important. Obviously, him coming to earth and doing those things, interacting, intersecting all of history so that he could make himself known and we could be with God forever. That happens and his, his heart for that, I think, is also seen in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And um, we saw a glimpse of this in verse 11 as he says that he came to bring salvation to all people. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Man, praise God, right? Just that, that, that that's his heart, that that's, that's what he wants from us. And so as we're echoing the heart of Jesus as we're trying to get in on the good works of Jesus is going to involve people and it's going to involve pointing people to him as the only answer. That, that's what it's got to be about. We, if, we, if we're missing that point, uh, then we're, we're, we're missing it. And so I, I think in, in making people a, a priority and, and being able to do that, I think what, what I'm after, what God keeps challenging me in is to love people well, to love them well. And what does that mean to me? To me, that means loving without motive. It means loving without trying to get something in return. Only loving those that can kind of pay it back or whatever it might be. It means not trying to win arguments, but missing the person. It means not having my own agenda as I'm interacting with people. It means pursuing the good and loving well. And I think with that, it's also going to be very basic in that we're going to be meeting some of the basic needs of people. Now, this may be a shocker to you, but... Uh, there's certain things that Jesus told us to do, and um, he actually wants us to do them. Oh, I know. Shocker. That's kind of crazy. Uh, it's, sometimes I live like I don't understand that, and it, I miss it. But like in Matthew chapter 25, as he starts explaining uh, what it means to love the least of these, he just goes off some, just hitting some basic needs. And he says, what you did for the least of these, my brothers, you did also for me. But he says things like, food to the hungry, drink to the thirsty, welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked, visiting the sick, visiting the prisoner. As I'm pursuing the good things of Jesus, guys, these opportunities are going are gonna to be everywhere. As my sole desire is to, to pursue the good that he puts before me, I think I'm going to be seeing it more and more. I think it's almost like uh, you ever had car fever, right? All of a sudden you get the dream car in your mind. Like, I want that vehicle. Oh, man, that's what I want. And all of a sudden, you start seeing that vehicle everywhere, don't you? You're just like, oh, there, there's another one. Oh, oh, oh I, yeah, I got to go find that thing. And it just all of a sudden, it's, it's just always on your mind. Maybe it's also like that when it comes to us pursuing good. 
When we're out and we're looking for that and that becomes the the thing on our mind and on our heart, maybe we start seeing those good opportunities everywhere. We start seeing those opportunities just to step out in faith and see that, man, Jesus has something for me here. Jesus is going to do something mighty in this moment. And also, I think just as I'm pursuing good, it also helps me not focus so much on the bad, right? And that, that's important for me. It's important for in this day and age. Because, guys, if I watch the news long enough, I've got to be put in a rubber room. Let me just tell you that right now. Because, man, it, it'll just drive you crazy sometimes. And as I bring all these concerns to Jesus, as I say, Jesus, I'm just getting consumed by the grind. He's telling me to pursue the good. As I'm saying, Jesus, I, I just I spend so little time praying sometimes. I, just, I want to spend time with and He's just saying, hey, pursue the good. Jesus, my sweet times with you were so long ago, and I want them now. He's saying, pursue the good. Jesus, I'm checking out when it comes to being the father and the husband I need to be. Pursue the good. Jesus, the world is crashing down around me. Pursue the good. And, and so often I feel like I miss the good things he has for me. And sometimes it's just because I over-spiritualize things and I end up doing nothing or whatever it is. Maybe that's you. But it doesn't take me, doesn't take much sometimes to knock me off focus. And, you know, I was just thinking the other day, I had an opportunity. I I felt a real leading to, to I I don't ever do this, but to pick a stranger up and to to take them. It looked like they were going to work. And I had a a real leading to do that. And um, you want to know that in that moment, every excuse came to my mind not to do it. And I didn't. I didn't do it. I don't know what kind of opportunity I missed because of that. I don't know what that looks like, but I, I didn't do it. And, um, you know, start thinking COVID or think about masks or whatever it is. I, I, like I needed one more excuse, right? Uh, but, man, those, those things that I, those moments that I miss because those excuses flood to my mind. And while I'm being honest, I'll just tell you, so often I let circumstances deter me from the next good thing. And I, I do that. And as immediately as things get hard, I interpret that as God closing a door. I don't know if you ever do that, but I, all of a sudden things get hard. I think, okay, God's closing the door. And sometimes I just forget that sometimes following the Lord and doing the things he's supposed to do are going to be hard, right? They're going to be difficult. Sometimes it means a closed door means, man, let's, let's step through this and keep going. As I think of like Paul and think, okay, um, let's see, he was beaten. He was put in prison. Um, I think some of those could have been considered a closed door at some point, right? But no, he continues to do those things and for our sake, thank goodness, right? And uh, we start seeing that, obviously, the greatest missionary ever. Wow. And, and now I realize that, that these things, pursuing the good, going after these, this is nothing groundbreaking, nothing earth-shattering, it's nothing that surprises you. But when I bring these things to Jesus, this was the reminder he gave me. This was the thing that he's saying, hey, watch this in your life. Look for this. He's telling me, pursue with zeal the next good thing. He's telling me to love people well. He's telling me to point people to Jesus because he's the answer. He's telling me to take care of people's basic needs. He's saying, do that all without agenda or trying to get something from somebody. Now, as I brought these questions to Jesus, he he didn't answer every question, but he also didn't speak in a condemning manner. He didn't say, man, you're such a big screw-up, I wish you'd do better. And, and so often I think some of us hear God's voice that way. But he's a good father. And he speaks to us in a loving way, and he's saying, hey, I want you back. Keep pursuing me. 
Keep pursuing the good. He's, he's inviting us to remember who he is and to look for that next good thing. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much for your love. I, think, I thank you that you love us in the way you do, even knowing all that we will do to displease you, even doing, knowing all the things that we do that just, just miss the mark, that you still choose to love us. God, and I pray that as we pursue these good things, as we look for the good in the, in the moments that we, we, we see, God, that you would, God, give us courage to walk in those things, to, to honor you with our lives, to, to take that step of obedience and to do it for your glory. God, I pray just that you would move as you give opportunities, you, you, you bring people to be with you forever because of it and that you use us mightily. And I pray this in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen.